Welcome everyone to another episode, episode 18, in fact, of Just Me with R.R. Campbell. This is now, yes, actually this week, the last week that we will have this Lost Woods theme from Ocarina of Time that has been jazzified, so we will say goodbye to the Lost Woods theme and we'll see what we come up with for the month of July, which will be the debut of our next episode. But today, I want to talk about how I'm not sure what I want to talk about. Because, as you might remember, and if you are a normal watcher of this show, you know that I often like to start with Relatability Corner. And last week, I did ask in the video anyway, well, when you look back at the person you've been, do you feel shame, pride, indifference, something else? And though I asked that question in the video, I didn't actually put it up on Twitter. And there are probably a few reasons why I chose not to do that, but I think part of it comes down to me not knowing how to position myself, how to position this program, and what it means to be asking a question like that, given where we are in time, so to speak. And this led, naturally, as it is wont to do, to a series of existential questions. Again, as we are often about on this show, not only about what this program is, but about who I am and what it is that I want to achieve with this and where it is that we can take it. It really just led me down this alley of, well, I don't know. I'm back to being in this position where I don't know if we have the interactivity here that I would like us to see. You know, are we in a position right now where what I've been speaking to the last couple of weeks is this landing? It's certainly bringing me clarity at times. I felt especially episode 17 gave me some really interesting food for thought, and I'm hoping that it gave you as a viewer interesting food for thought as well. Not only that episode, but several prior to that. It'd be really great to know if these are connecting with you, because if they are connecting with you, then I'm in a better position to understand perhaps where it is that we can take these conversations while also taking them in a direction that helps us achieve the goals that we have here, namely those being being unscripted, unedited, and unafraid. Because clearly this episode is unedited. It is also clearly unscripted. But am I unafraid? Not entirely. I mean, sure. I'm unafraid speaking to the camera right now about this topic or essentially this lack thereof, but I wonder if the reason behind this lack thereof is due to some kind of fear. Now, I have tried to put myself out there a little bit more in the last week or so with some of the tweets that I have put up online. It's kind of interesting, though, to feel as though I'm finally dipping my toes into these waters publicly when they are things that I think about privately so often and speak to other people about privately so often because I have been very wary of participating in what could be viewed as performative allyship, particularly right now as it pertains to the Black Lives Matter movement, a number of the reckonings that we are seeing in the world of publishing, as it pertains to race, as it pertains to gender, as it pertains to everything. I mean, it's an ongoing struggle for equity, particularly in an industry that has been running on a very outmoded business model in an industry that is so incredibly white and just generally monolithic and very challenging to break into. And you also need normally a series of resources at your disposal if you're actually going to make a career out of it. There are so many things 
working against everyone who participates in the industry, but especially against individuals of marginalized backgrounds. And so I see all of this going on. I have been very in tune to it from where I sit anyway, as in tune as I can be by listening, by reading the viewpoints of the individuals in those communities by making sure that I'm keeping up to date with industry news. But I rarely chime in because I often feel as though we need to be leaving space for people whose voices are normally ignored to be heard. And I also see that there are so many people who are doing an excellent job amplifying those voices by doing things like retweeting their content, by sharing it across multiple platforms, whatever the case might be. And I wonder what role can someone of my background play in that? And I have historically decided that it is to sort of step to the side, listen, learn, and take actions that are within my control to help further a society that is going to make sure it's listening to all of that, but also taking action beyond listening to help individuals of those backgrounds. So why don't we explore what some of those actions might be, right? There has been much ado in the last week or so, again, specifically in writing Twitter, about this idea of white people writing characters of color, right? And the general idea is that coming from individuals in the community, in these marginalized communities, writers of color, authors of color, have generally said, you know, hey, white writers, this really isn't a space that you need to be occupying because if you are writing stories that are about, say, we'll call them identity narratives, or if you're using these struggles of these marginalized groups in order to gain an advantage in that industry where you're already more likely to be set up for success just simply due to resources you might have had available and just generally uh, systemic racism, for example, it's probably best for you to step aside and let you know, own voices writers actually write those stories. And yeah, that absolutely should be happening. But as someone who is an author who has written, for example, in the Empathy Sci-Fi Saga, I have this broad ensemble of characters of many different backgrounds, including different racial backgrounds. I've had to do a lot of thinking about that now, again, as I had to do a lot of thinking about that when I was drafting these novels when I was going through the process of working with my publisher to have them published, and how is it that I can make sure that I, as a white person, am not taking spots away from writers of color who might be more equipped to tell the stories that I may or may not be trying to tell or actively be telling, whether I realize it or not, in my own books. Because I can't bring the same authenticity to those stories that individuals of those backgrounds can. Historically, I have justified my inclusion of writing the perspectives of characters of color by saying to myself, never really a thing I've discussed publicly, save for here now, apparently, but I've told myself that I would never wade into telling specifically those identity narratives. I'm not going to tell the story of a character of color who is confronting racism and overcoming it and whatever the case might be, or falling back on all of those old tropes that we see played out all the time in the media, where, for example, some of the more common ones, if we're talking about race, it's situations where the character of color is the first to die in, say, a horror movie, just as a trope that we might see from there. Or the, what is it, it's the um, kill your gaze trope, where you happen to have a, an individual who is LGBTQ, uh, plus from that community and you say, okay, well, I really want to have this representation here, but then they die 
right? And it's a big tragic thing. Or trying to write a coming out story, for example, for a bisexual character, for a lesbian character, for a gay character, whatever the case might be. I always drew the line there because it was very clear that that is not a story for me to tell. But it is only recently that I've had to circle back and make some, take into consideration the idea that it is not necessarily fair or accurate for me to draw a line in a place where I say, okay, I'm not going to tell an identity narrative because stories about someone coming out, stories about individuals who have experienced racism, whatever the case might be, whether I address those specifically in the text or not, whether the primary thrust of the story is about those things, those still exist as social forces and would have an influence on the character whether I choose to focus on them or not in my own work. And now, here I sit, a couple of years removed, or really, you know, a year and a half removed from the last book in the Empathy Sci-Fi Saga having been released, and I'm trying to tussle with this idea of, okay, so I know that I pulled my next contract from my publisher. I wasn't going to proceed with publishing it with them for reasons I detailed in past episodes, but also for these considerations that we have to take into account now. And I'm trying to figure out, well, now if I proceed with publishing these stories, it would be in an independently published space, by which I mean self-publication, which I'm comfortable with in, you know, as a general rule, just self-publication for anything, not necessarily for this series, for reasons we'll get into here. But I'm considering whether or not, here's what I have to weigh. I believe that the stories that I am telling in the Empathy Sci-Fi Saga are worth reading. I believe that I owe it to some extent to readers who have read books one and two to get the remaining books in the series. But I also believe that I owe it to those same readers and to marginalized communities to ensure that the stories I am telling do not depict problematized versions of these individuals' experiences or, heaven forbid, downright harmful depictions of these experiences. And so that's the choice, right? Is I don't intend on telling identity narratives. That's never been something that I weighed into in any of the books that I've written, except for perhaps accounting for it all. But even then, it was an identity narrative insofar as it was about self-actualization and coming out was never really a big part of it as it pertained to sexual orientation, but rather as it pertained to career choices. So perhaps you could say that metaphorically there were some elements of that in there. That is a fair critique, and it's one that I am receptive to hearing more about if people have read this book and feel that that's something they would like to put into the general conversation. I, I mean, I'm just, I would be flattered to know anyone even engaged with the book to that extent. That would really be, really be something. And I don't want to ask anyone to take the time to educate me. I know how tiring that can be. And that's why we're here doing this now, a little bit of introspection to see where we land. But that is kind of the, the thrust of the struggle right now, at least for me personally. And I recognize that that pales in comparison to the struggle to try to bring light to these, to these issues the struggle to try to reach particularly white authors who we see far too many of them in spaces like Twitter, even who are sitting there saying, well, if I can't write a character who's of this background, then I'm out. And that was literally a tweet that I saw today. And I think that the, we have to find a way to, and I say we, I mean specifically white writers, we have to find a way to reach other white writers and let them know that okay, the entire point is to be listening to the voices of marginalized individuals, since that's not something that, 
a subset of the population is apparently capable of doing, we as white writers have to find ways to, I feel, break through to those people who aren't listening and bring them around to this understanding of why this is so important. And maybe that's the role that someone like me does need to play. As I mentioned, I've generally, I stay out of these things, which I recognize does create the image of an implicit endorsement of the side of the oppressor uh, rather than standing up for the oppressed. We won't rehash the start of this conversation in this space anyway, but maybe that's the role that I need to play and other individuals like me need to play is using venues like this, is using opportunities in places like writing conferences and other perhaps courses we teach to make sure that these sorts of topics are given their due because they're very important and it's something that I think a lot of authors need to start thinking about proactively rather than reactively. Don't write the whole manuscript and then suddenly go, yeah, you know, maybe I should have uh, yeah, done X, Y, Z, because then we fall into this trap of feeling as though we are pot committed. It's the sunk cost fallacy, right? We convince ourselves that, well, I just spent years working on this project. I'm guilty of this. I just spent years working on this project Sure, maybe it's not perfect, but come on, I worked really hard. Yeah, working hard is not the same as having the direct experiences that we as white authors can't have because of the position that we're in. And whether it's due to uh, race, uh, sexual orientation, gender identity, whatever the case might be, you know, sure. There's a lot of people who right now might hear this and say, well, but I did my research and I got sensitivity readers and X, Y, Z, on and on. And if you did do your research, cool. If you did work with a sensitivity reader, fantastic. But that's really the minimum that we need to strive for. And whether you did those things or not, if you take your story to, whether it's a small press, whether you have an agent and you take it to one of the big five publishers or an imprint thereof, you are still taking up shelf space from these individuals of marginalized backgrounds. Okay. We'll rewind the tape and bring this back to the position in which I find myself as someone who is looking at in the context of, I have stories that feature perspective characters. You know, we're talking about books with 12 POV characters, right? Portion of them are white. We have some that are Indian American, some that are black, some that are Korean American, whatever the case might be. And I have to decide now, well, sure, I may have taken up space from authors of color or authors of any of those backgrounds from having an opportunity to be published when I was working in a small press space. Will I be comfortable self-publishing these books, even if I do the research, even if I work with sensitivity readers, which again are the bare minimum that you can do to ensure that you are not entering into a problematic or harmful space? I don't know. That's a question that I have to tussle with. And I think that if it were the case that we were seeing community engagement at a level that felt like people were really clamoring for the next books in the series, sure, then I might be more willing to embrace that and put in the work and make sure that it can get to the people who are dying to read the rest of the story. But as it stands right now, I'm just not sure that that is a position that I can go into. So, okay, I turned this back in on itself. I brought it back to me. These topics are about more than me. They're about more than any one author. And that's what I think we really need to keep in mind is we need to listen. We need to, after we've done that listening, spend some time educating ourselves and thinking deeply about these topics and about what it means to us as individuals. 
what it means to us as creatives and what it means for us going forward. And then once we have done that and we have experienced that discomfort, once we have challenged our assumptions, once, once we have looked deeply in the mirror and made some important decisions about how it is we're going to proceed, then we can really take that step and decide, okay, what is it that I can do now, not for myself, but for myself in the context of this industry that is constantly evolving and in an industry that, as we have said, is very stacked in favor of white authors and anyone who is of a privileged background for whatever the case might be, whether it's based on race, class, gender identity, etc. A lot to unpack there, a lot to unpack here. I feel as though we've kind of hit on the highlights of all of this. So maybe what I want to leave folks with this week is a question for you. We won't talk about it in terms of relatability corner, though we will be getting at that to some extent. Are these questions ones that you have asked yourself? Are they questions that you plan on asking yourself now? And what is it that you plan to do to ensure that you are participating in this community or any community that you are a part of in ways that are going to fight for equity without undercutting the fight that you claim to support? I won't try to repeat that because I'm not going to get that question right word for word. You can rewind it if you want to get that back. But let's let's leave it there then. And I'll thank you for joining me for this episode of Just Me with R.R. Campbell. As always, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as I am R.R. Campbell. You can hop into the description of this video if you want to find my website, whatever the case might be. And please do like and subscribe if you'd like to join me for more of these weekly conversations about whatever they need to be about. Hopefully we can continue to learn together and embrace the mantra that underlies everything we need to do here, which is, of course, to go forth and live unscripted, unedited, and unafraid. <laughs>